What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere. Visit highland.com. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and the Ole Miss Rebels take on the Alabama Crimson Tide at 2.30 Central Saturday, and you can catch every play of all the action with the Rebels hometown broadcast on Sirius XM Channel 191. David Kellerman, the boys, are going to tell everybody what's going on in Bryant-Denny Stadium Listen there, that's SiriusXM Channel 191 or the SXM app. Just search Ole Miss Rebels. The Locked On Ole Miss podcast is on there as well. I'm here with Pratt Rogers as part of his weekly segment. I have a feeling we're going to talk a little bit about Alabama football today. Steven, what's up, man? I hope so. Um, It's been on the top of mind uh, for, for some time now. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to see a lot of people posting – that they got tickets on the secondary market, Ole Miss fans going to the game. I think there might be a more than a little bit of red in that stadium, just in case, because I think Ole Miss fans are expecting to win this game. And this is a weird situation with the way this series has gone historically. There is a lot of optimism. I mean, yeah. in group text and family, friends, I feel like everybody's got a lot of optimism for this game. I know I do. Um, I think that that this is a, a real opportunity for Ole Miss to take a step in the right direction if we're ever going to do it. Yeah, and if you look at it, the last time that Ole Miss had the better quarterback in this game was probably in 2015 um, with Chad Kelly. That, that was Well, I guess you could say 2016 over a true freshman, Jalen Hurts, but either way, that's Chad Kelly. And before that, it was, you know, Bo Wallace was probably better than Blake Sims. And before that, I I don't know. I mean, a lot of weird stuff happened, but Eli was probably the time before that it happened. So everybody should be excited with Jackson Dart. Ole Miss is going to be in really good shape. No moment. Jackson Dart, you have never seen Jackson Dart look rattled. So I think he'll handle Brian Denny. And he'll play really well because if everybody remembers Matt Corral going over there in 2021 and the get your popcorn ready and that thing, Matt Corral was rattled at the early part of that game. He, he wasn't quite there. The second half, he was fine. He ended up being 42 to 21. But the first half, the damage was done. I do not think Jackson Dart is going to fall into that trap. No, he's, he's been emotionally steadfast. I mean, I watched, I think I mentioned to you on the last podcast, I was in Starkville this weekend for the Mississippi State LSU game. Will Rogers looked rattled a lot this weekend for a guy who has seen a lot of SEC football. You know, the only time I've even seen Dart frustrated thus far is that one interception that I think everybody deems was not really his fault uh, when Dayton Wade slipped. So, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily even mad. He just kind of threw his hands up like, 
oh man, you know, yeah, just uh, bad luck. Yeah, just bad luck, and th- that's what you want to see, though. You want to see the emotional steadfastness of a quarterback, and he even mentioned that in a press conference about three weeks ago. Of, I want to be the guy that when times get tough, the team kind of looks to me and says, I, "We we have confidence in Dart to get it done," and that's saying all the right things and being a true leader on the team. Well, he's got about 14 days, okay? Over the next 14 days, two weeks from today, which this is airing on a Tuesday, so two weeks from Tuesday, that would be October the 2nd or something like that. We will have an idea on if Jackson Dart is in legendary status. We'll have a, um idea of if he was just a good quarterback, if he's a very good quarterback, if he's a Heisman-worthy quarterback. Because all of those things are still on the table for Jackson Dart. And if he, Jackson Dart can win these next two games, the way they're situated and what they would mean, we would be getting close to statue territory for Jackson Dart if he was able to pull those off. Gosh, you beat me to it. I'm so mad you said statue territory. So I've been mm. all on board that I cannot believe A.J. Brown has gotten out of here without a statue, you know, mm. over the last five years or whatever. Um, and, you know, the Tim Elko, I haven't seen it if it's actually been constructed, but Tim Elko seemingly has been promised a statue. If Dart wins these next two games, I, I, I'm 100% in line with statue conversation um so that i can't believe you beat me to that punch i was going to say the exact same thing he he wins the next two games whenever we do those top five list of quarterbacks of all time jackson darts automatically on the list it's got to be now i'm not saying he not saying he's number one but he's on the list in the top five it's got to be yeah i mean it's, it's amazing how good he looks this year and how in control he is. Not only that, Stephen, we've talked about it a few times. Being as good as you are with the limited options and that we currently got. I mean, I think you and I kind of talked off air about uh, Prescorn and uh, Trey Harris seemingly practicing today, which is a huge step in the right direction. But, mm. um, you know, hopefully getting those guys back really amplified Dart's numbers. I mean, not having – the targets that he's been expecting is definitely a adverse effect on, on the numbers that you put up in your statistics. Well, the important thing is if Trey Harris plays and it looks like he practiced uh, according to Lane Kiffin in his press conference on Monday, him and Caden Priestcorn, we do not know about Sakari Franklin before anybody asked about that. Uh, but what that means is with Trey Harris playing, he's going to line up on Kool-Aid McKinstry. So he can't take away another weapon that you have because he is going to be forced to line up on Trey Harris. That is how he is going to be beneficial. You have Jordan Watkins then that all of a sudden is going against a two or a three-level corner as opposed to a Kool-Aid McKinstry. You, um, Nick Saban is from the Bill Belichick school. That's where Nick Saban learned cut his teeth on defense And the whole purpose of what he does is to take away what you do best, which means he's either going to go all in on Quinshawn Judkins, which he might not the way this has started, or he's going to go all in on Trey Harris because Trey Harris has eight catches and five of them for touchdowns in the first part of the season. 
which means that that opens up Jordan Watkins, that opens up Caden Priestcorn, that opens up Dayton Wade as players that could make an impact in Bryant-Denny Stadium on top of Kyron Heath, on top of Quinshawn, on top of Ulysses Bentley IV. Man, there's playmakers on this team. It's, it's, it's kind of amazing. But Kool-Aid McKinstry being forced to deal with Trey Harris means that your offense is actually going to be more effective than it would have been. That's weird to it's think funny. of, but that's exactly right. I was I was about to say it's funny you say you got to pick your poison with this offense between Trey Harris and Judkins, theoretically. You know, right now, if I had to pick my poison and I was Nick Saban sitting in the defensive team meetings, you know, uh, 80% Trey Harris may be, uh, may be more advantageous to Ole Miss than uh, – 95% Judkins. I mean, who would have who would have thought that at the beginning of this season? No one. Yeah, I think the player that everybody needs to look at in this game is going to determine win or loss is going to be Jordan Watkins. Everybody needs to watch Jordan Watkins. Um, I, he is starting to turn into a real playmaker, and his touchdown catch that he made um, against Georgia Tech, once he caught the ball and hit the sideline, Nobody was catching him. There's a little bit of a jet to his game. I mean, he's got some serious speed, and once teams start respecting that, it's really going to open up underneath, and that's why it's so important that Caden Priestcorn comes back because he is going to be the beneficiary of Jordan Watkins doing so well early in the season. So, obviously, I don't think anybody really knows the depth of the Priestcorn injury. Uh, on a day-to-day basis of what we're what we're looking at, but I almost feel like Priestcorn adds that blocking dimension more than the underneath routes with a you know potentially banged up uh, banged up leg. I mean, do you feel that Ole Miss is valuing his blocking ability more than his the underneath routes that you're describing well, in it, the game? It, you know, this weekend. He I don't think he has a banged up leg. I think he had um, basically the surgery to relieve plantar fasciitis. I think that's what happened. Uh, and if that happens, this is not a situation where he had his knee done or his ankle done or something no, like no, that. No, no, no. So that's the – but there is a little bit of recovery that has to be happening, and that's the reason um, Priest Corn has been out. But I, I think he is more of a weapon in the pass game. I think in the end, once we start going, and it might be this week, it might be against LSU. I'm not 100% sure when it's going to happen. Jordan Watkins and Caden Prescorn are kind of going to become the focal point of this offense, and you're going to see a lot of triangles with those two and Trey Harris and those two and Zachary Franklin, and that's when this offense is really going to hum, when there's triangle options on both sides of the field and you don't know where it's coming from. Interesting. I like that. Yeah, it, I, I don't think people realize the the way this offense is set up to go once it gets to full strength. It, it's bad luck. It was horrible luck that we were out pre-scorn, that we were been without Zachary Franklin. And, man, can you imagine if Ole Miss would have gotten that Keon Coleman thing done, what this offense would look like? Oh, my goodness. But if Zachary Franklin comes in against LSU – and does just enough to grab attention. And and this is the whole thing about this offense. Everybody is going to talk about, hey, oh, you can't count on Trey Harris. You can't count on Caden Prescorn. You can't count on 
Zachary Franklin to come into an SEC game and be the guy. They, they don't have to be. They need to come into this game and take attention away from other players so that they cannot double the players that are going to be superior. You're not asking these guys to come in and be the guy. You're asking these guys to come in and be a threat. And every one of these guys will be a threat. It, it doesn't matter if it's the first game back or the second game or 10 plays in. All of these guys are going to be a threat just as long as they're mentally um, executing what the offense requires. We're not asking Trey Harris and um, Caden Priestcorn to come in and play 80 snaps and be, I don't know, Dawson Knox or DK Metcalf. That's, that's not what we need. We just need them to be effective and a threat so that Alabama's defense can't focus on Jordan Watkins, Quinshawn Judkins, uh, Jackson Dart running the ball. If you can. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You can. There's enough weapons on this offense. If you can pose a real threat to what's going on, it's not going to matter that these guys are a little bit rusty. And once they get up to full speed, now that's a different animal altogether. But against Alabama and LSU, we're not asking these guys to come in and be the guy. We are asking these guys to come in and just execute at a high level at a point where the defense has to respect them. That's all we're asking them to do. And all of those guys can do that. That's fair. Look, that's mm. probably a different mindset than I was looking through the lens of. I mean, mm. I don't expect – uh, whether it's Franklin or Prescorn or maybe even Harris. Uh, let me rewind on Harris. Uh, Prescorn or uh, Franklin to really step up and, you know, do a whole lot and being back in the, uh, you know, back in uh, from injury and automatically be sitting in game form. I just – I don't know if I expect that. But looking through the, your description of would we – this is – almost more of like a, a decoy respect, um, you know, do they have the ability to take the top off the defense? That makes a lot more sense than, than hey, we really need pre-scoring to step up and go ball out versus Bama on Saturday. Because I don't know if I expect that, to be honest. No, no, that, that's absolutely not going to happen. There's, there's not a player in college football history that's come in after an injury layoff and been just lights out. That just doesn't happen. But if you can force the defense to respect that player, like Trey Harris, if he is enough of a deep threat that Kool-Aid can, McKinstry can't just stare in the backfield and sink down and do what he needs to do, if you can push him out running deep, that is going to make the coverage a little bit softer because you can, you know what you get with Alabama. You get – um you get that matchup zone coverage that Nick Saban likes to play. He likes to switch. He likes to do all of this stuff. So you need weapons that can be a threat. You don't necessarily need a dude. The guy that needs to be a dude is Jackson Dart. If Jackson Dart is a dude, you're going to be okay. Trey Harris is good enough with his hands and enough of a threat deep 
that he is going to force the safeties to sink back because Alabama, we all know, if you cannot force those safeties to come back, they go from 13 yards to 12 yards to 11 yards to the point where they just a boa constrictor against your running game. If you need to be able to stretch them a little bit, and Trey Harris will absolutely be able to do that because at the end of the day, an MCL, what he's going through, it's not going to affect his speed. It's going to affect his side to side. So I think that um, Ole Miss has a chance to accordion stretch that defense out. And in the end, in the middle, you have Prescorn, who is a new target with no film on him. Nobody knows how we're going to use him. And you've got Jordan Watkins, who is turning into an all SEC level wide receiver in the first part of the season. And those two players are going to be actually fairly key to what Ole Miss is doing. And they're going to open up Quinshawn and they're going to open up Jackson. And, and, and it should be pretty interesting. I'm pretty fired up about this game, if you can hear. Oh, I'm on cloud nine. One thing you mentioned that I, I may slightly disagree with, you mentioned Dart being the dude and named a, a, a few of our core offensive players. I think the key to this game is our offensive line. Because if we don't give Dart time to throw the ball, if we don't have holes for Judkins to run through, this could be a long game. And I think that's about the only way it turns into a really long game. I think this is going to be a dogfight. Um, so I think the offensive line is kind of the make or break of this game, honestly, Stephen. I think the offensive line is going to be fine. Um, um, they've went, they performed against them last year. Now Alabama's going to get to the quarterback. They're four and five stars. They're talented players. They're going to do that. Um, but we're not going to see a situation like the second quarter against Tulane. That uh, that is not going to happen because what I noticed against Georgia Tech that nobody else is talking about. I've listened to podcasts of everybody going on talking about this game, and nobody is talking about this. The play calling against Georgia Tech was so much better. It was so much better to the point where against Tulane, every run player we called was up the middle. It was it was between the hashes. Every pass play we called seemed like it was outside the numbers. Against Georgia Tech, they did a concerted effort to get the ball outside. They did some gap scheme stuff. They did some zone stuff to where they mixed it up. Eventually, the defense couldn't just tee off on what we were doing because they didn't know. And in the second half, we just exploded. It was a play-calling function as much as it was a talent function, the fourth quarter of that game. And the fact that we were able to open everything up, it was because there was more variety in what we were doing, how we were running the ball, the different spots of where we were going, the quarterback hitting different areas. Heck, I saw tight end pop pass. I've been asking for a tight end pop pass ever since Kenny Oboa. That came up. Michael Trigg dropped the ball, but it was still a pop pass. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. And if that happens against Alabama, that gives me more hope than anything. Is just the fact that the defense, once the linebackers can't tee off on what you're doing, you're at the advantage at that point. And, and this offense is so much better when you just torture linebackers. Well, let me ask you this. You mentioned variety and offensive schemes. Is Barring injury, is there any way we see Spencer Sanders in this game? Yes, I, there absolutely is. There will be a package for some Spencer Sanders this game. No way. Every, I don't think. Yeah. I, 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 no, wow. I'm, I'm okay. telling you. Uh, um, this is the game where everybody's been talking about, Hey, um, Spencer needs a package and something, but it's going to be something weird. 
is I would not be surprised if Ole Miss didn't wind up on a package and ran the flex bone with Spencer Sanders at quarterback. I, I, I'm serious. It would be something bizarre, but it will be designed to take licks and to put stuff on film for other teams as well on down the road. But I do expect a series or two of Spencer Sanders um, against Alabama, and it's just going to be absolutely bizarre quarterback run-based stuff. Well, look, I I applaud your creativity. I don't see it, so I'll make you a bet on 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 air. I'll I'll Venmo you for a beer if uh, if we see a creative play for uh, Spencer I, Sanders I, in there. Look, I think yeah, this is the time to do it, but I just mm-hmm. don't I don't know why we haven't utilized it thus far yet. We haven't utilized it thus far because they Alabama would prepare for it. I think Fair. in the second quarter tomorrow, we could be on our own 40-yard line, and all of a sudden you come in and there's some weird formation. Do you remember the old Emory and Henry formation that Steve Spurrier ran at Florida with three offensive linemen, and you put one offensive lineman out um, standing next to the wide receiver? It, it, I think something bizarre like that could happen tomorrow with Spencer Sanders and his ability to run the ball. Just something to really freak them out early in the ballgame. I'd love to see it. I agree that I think timing-wise would be great to do it. I don't know why I don't see us doing it, um, you know, uh, but hopefully uh, hopefully, uh, our following show will be giving you an IOU. How about that? Yeah, I, I'm ready for it. I, I'll, I'll, I'm all about a Venmo beer. So And maybe a Bud Light, I, you know, who knows? <laughs> it could be athletic, could be Athletic Brewing Company, who's a sponsor there we go. on this podcast. There we go. That's a non-alcoholic beer, near beer. Um, so, all right, Pratt, let's get to a score prediction. I'm not ready to give mine yet because we're too early in the week and I don't want to give that away, but what is your score prediction for this game? 34-27, good guys. I think the Rebs pull it out. I really do. I thought the spread was a little interesting on this game. I, I would, you know, made sense, but I wouldn't. I think Bama minus seven is a is a fair spread, but – I really think I think this is what Kiffin gets paid big boy money to do. I, I have yep. I'm too confident. I don't like my my confidence in this game, but I I feel like Ole Miss football is kind of like the Marines. You go into it expecting the worst and hoping for the best, and that's just I, I've got the opposite mentality on this. I truly think we're going to win this football game, Stephen. Yeah, and also in my opinion on this thing, and and and, and you know mileage may vary for everybody, but I don't know that Bama respect week needs to be a thing uh, this week. I, I just don't. I think that plays in your hands because there's a chance that you could be over respectful for Alabama and end up playing against the team in your head that's better than the team that you're actually line up lining up against. I think you just need to play them straight up and do what you have to do. This is the most talented football team in the history of Ole Miss football, in my opinion, or at least in my lifetime. And I think this team has a chance to go into Bryant-Denny Stadium and whip them straight up. They have the better quarterback, the better running back, the better wide receiver, and the better tight end. When have you said that whenever Ole Miss has played Alabama? I literally text my dad verbatim, I think we can win this game straight up. And I, I put a little caveat. I said – but I hope we don't try to go for it 
on fourth down yes. six times inside our own 50-yard line because I don't think we need to do that because I think we can straight up win. Yeah, you we can lose this game to Alabama by trying too hard to win it, if that makes sense. 100% like, agree. It, it is okay just to punt the football. And then, yes, Alabama is going to make plays in this game but it's not a situation that you can't overcome them. You're going to be fine. If you just play football straight up, you might lose the game, but they're not going to completely outclass you. Now, I do remember when Santonio Beard ran for five touchdowns in 2000 or 2002 or something like that on Eli. I do remember Deuce McAllister getting beat 45-7 to there, and both of those Ole Miss teams were better teams than Alabama going down into Bright, Brian Denny Stadium. You can't lose to this Alabama team just by looking at the helmets. It, you come in there, you got the helmets, you got the uniforms, you got the 37 national championships, you got the elephant going, and all of a sudden that just messes with you if you let it. I think Ole Miss really needs to almost be above it and just pretend they're going into Tulane, for lack of a better word. Just it's just another road game against a really good team. You're not going into the 37-time national champion. You're just playing a football team on the road that happens to be really good. Well, look, Stephen, it's easy to do. I mentioned mm-hmm. to you we've, we've only won this series 10 times since 1894. That's mm-hmm. disgusting to think about. And well, it's easy well, to I, sit I, there and get psyched out. I'm going to tell you what my dad told me about this. They also, Alabama, refused to play Ole Miss when Ole Miss was good. Well, okay. Well, look, I think yeah. there are some forfeited wins Like in the in 50s there too, and 60s, you know. Yeah. 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 During the late 50s when Ole Miss was, like, just beating everybody, Alabama wasn't playing Ole Miss. Auburn was not playing well, Ole Miss. Uh, but still, we, in the 70s when Bama was winning national championships, yes, we were playing them. <laughs> And getting skull drug. Yes, yes. Um, So, But, yes, I completely agree. But, like, David Cutcliffe, we got 45-7 to and 42-7 to in back-to-back road trips to Bryant-Denny Stadium, sandwiched by Ole Miss beating them in 2001 and Ole Miss beating them in 2003. Bryant-Denny and that elephant, there there is some – there is some mind games that Ole Miss has to be careful about. Do we discussed, Steve, we discussed, yeah. we discussed mm-hmm. the exact same thing. And I said, mm-hmm. there was a roughly 15 year stretch from 19, like 15 to 1931, where they scored 487 points or to our 13. And over a, yep. you know, I think it was a 10 or 11 game stretch in those 15 years. And it is easy to do, but I, I'm with you. I think this is a different team. I hope my hopes are not too high, but I'm cautiously optimistic. Well, the good news is there's no there's no penalty for being wrong, and you can get your hopes as high as you need to do them. There's yep, absolutely that's part of the fandom. Yep. So, um, also, by the way, if you want to go back and look at series records, go back and look at what Vanderbilt did to Ole Miss back in that time period. I'll take a look. Yeah, that the worst loss that Ole Miss ever took was to the Vanderbilt Commodores. That's so, also appalling. Yeah, like, but. I think it was like 92 to nothing or something like that. <gasps> Vander, Vanderbilt and the SEC used to be the dude back back around 1910-ish. They, they were the dudes. Glad yeah, they've got baseball now. Yeah, 
Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they don't want to do it now. Now they're getting beat by UNLV on the road. But um, back in the day, they kind of ran this area. Um, so that's interesting. Anyway, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Pratt, thank you so much for joining the show. And I look forward to hopefully after a win against Alabama, having you on next week because I, I have a, if we're going to win that game, it, it's going to be hype. It, it, it's it's going to get, it's going to be lit up in here. Lit is an awesome adjective. I will be there, my man. See ya. All right. Take care, buddy.